exhausted. Okay. I Great. moved this weekend, and yes. I have a big U-shaped sectional couch because I'm highly successful, as our <laughs> listeners know. And I'm telling you, it is, it is the most tiring thing of my entire life. I felt so... You know what I felt like? I felt like Brian Stelter. I felt weak oh, no. and rotund, and oh, no. I was extremely attracted to young men. Um, be- because because I needed them to carry my stuff. Because I needed them to carry my stuff. And so I, I, I kind of get it. I know I've been pretty harsh to Brian in the past, but I'm feeling way more empathetic now after having moved. Um, I feel like we ha- at least have a couple things in common. Just sure. kidding. Well, just, just kidding. Brian that's... Seltzer sucks. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Anyhow. Uh, was this about your move or was this about your hatred for Brian Stelter? I'm going to be Seltzer. honest. Most of the things that I do are indistinguishable from hatred for Brian Stelter. Like, okay. Chris, are you reading a book? Yes. Why? Well, there's this guy on CNN <laughs> and <laughs> I want more ways to make fun of him. So I'm hoping I learn something from this, uh, from this literature. Anyway... Enough about me, although it is nice because I've moved out of the BLM district into uh, a more reasonable part of town. It's actually funny. I moved from from a major metropolitan city to a city square in a a different part of town. And it's these, you know, it's like the it's the woke liberals that think that they're urban because they live downtown, but it's downtown nowhere (laughs) instead of like downtown Atlanta. So the BLM signs and flags per capita is ridiculous. It's off the charts, literally like multiples to a window, except for these people actually have no idea who they're talking about. They're they're the ones that call the cops if like a a, a dog is wandering through the yard, much less a, sure. a lurker. It's really funny actually. So I've been enjoying it already, much safer. Um okay. Anyway, Hunter, how about you? Anything interesting happened this week? Uh no, I'm doing good. I did not move, so I'm having a great week. Awesome. Excellent. Well, that's typical, right? I have all the interesting stuff and you're just there. Guys, that's welcome right. to Carlpooling. It's a show that'll get you fired. Um, it's just about to get me fired, hopefully. Uh, that way I'll have more time to unpack boxes. We talk about religion, psychology, philosophy, literature, art, music, movies, whatever it is. And we do it with an irreverent and conservative bent, seeking the truth. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you've once again reached the the correct location of the internet. This is the epicenter. This is where it all goes down. And we have a really big show for you today. Hunter, why don't you introduce our very special guest? Uh, We have with us today a uh, Georgia State Congressman, uh, one Wes Cantrell, uh, who's going to be joining us today. Wes, why don't you say hey to everybody and uh, just introduce yourself a little bit. I will. Hello, everybody. It's good to be with the Carl boys tonight. Technically, Hunter, I'm not a congressman. I'm a state representative. So, Oh, crud. We'll fool. go back and edit that in post. Hunter, <laughs> you've ruined state our rep- first big interview. Uh, Yikes. Yes. Yep. So, Wes, you're the, you're the state representative for Georgia's 22nd district, right? That's correct. And that's awesome. Cherokee County for the most part, a little bit of Forsyth County, and a little tiny sliver of North Fulton County. 
Awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know Wes, you actually might have seen him if you've been following up on your <laughs> your uh, conservative media national news stories because uh, he he is a really kind guy, a really a really caring guy. Actually, in fact, we know him because uh, for for many different reasons, not the least of which is that he teaches Sunday school at a church that we attend. But um, you know, every once in a while. When the mood is right, he he has to descend underneath a bridge and jump out and, and ask questions of people who would pass by it. There's been a little bit of trolling is what I'm trying to say. And so Wes kind of, Wes kind of made national media coverage. And uh, luckily, we got him on the show. We get to talk to him. Wes, have you done any other interviews um, on this before? I know there's been a, a plethora of articles that we'll get into. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, the only real interview I did was with a uh, American Family Radio. It's an outfit out of uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, gotcha. Pretty, pretty countryfied stuff. But the funny thing is, the day I dropped the video or posted it, uh, my two sons and I were playing golf. It was the Monday after Easter, and I had the day off, and it was spring break. And I got a phone call while we were on the golf course. Uh, from a lady from Sean Hannity's program saying oh, wow. Sean would Sean would like to have me on the program that night. Wow. And so I so I said, Oh, I think I could probably do that, you know. And, <laughs> and then then the funny thing that happened was she said, Well, but Mr. Cantrell, we have to, you have to commit to an exclusive with Sean. So are can are you prepared to make the commitment that you won't be on any other television shows between now and 9 p.m. tonight. And so I decided to mess with her a little bit. And I said, well, let me think about that. Uh, <laughs> so I can't be on Tucker at 8 and on Sean at 9 as well? And the, <laughs> she, she was like, what? I go, I'm just playing. Yeah, I'm fine. But then about three hours later, they called back and said they had breaking news. And so I got bumped. Oh, man. Hmm. I'm surprised yeah, on Tucker... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm surprised Tucker didn't have you on. This seems like like it would be Tucker's favorite story. Well, um, who knows? I mean, who knows how people find out? You know, how did Sean Hamdy find out about it? I don't know, from a Facebook right. post. Sure, um, sure. The British Broadcasting uh, Network reached out to me on the third, that following Thursday. Same exact scenario. Will you come on, be part of our, our evening news program in London that night? And, and then the, about a half hour before, after I'd rearranged my schedule... The guy emails me, sorry, Mr. Cantrell, we've decided to go in another direction. So uh, so I almost hit the big almost. time, but, but instead I was on American Family Radio, which nobody's ever heard of. Right. Well, and Carl Pullen, and Carl which Pullen. no one's ever heard of. <laughs> oh, I totally blew it, guys. I'm finally hitting the big time tonight with right. Carl Pulling. Yeah, That's, uh, that's right. Uh, Sorry, and I totally missed that. Do you agree? Oh, do you agree? Our, our terms are pretty strict since we're such a big show, but can you not be on any other show between <laughs> right now and when we finish recording? Can we at least? I get think that I can time? make that commitment safely. I think I can. I mean, right. I, in fact, because you you're my friends. Carl pulling exclusive. <laughs> um, kind of. Just don't look into it too hard. Uh, Hunter, I'm excited to get into this interview. Why don't you go ahead and hit us up with the roadkill so we can we can mosey on to the rest of the show? Right, right. Now I, I am I'm thrilled. Uh, this one came to us from a listener. Actually, uh, it's a fantastic suggestion, and we're we're thrilled to bring it to you. Um, this comes from uh, true heroine Demi Lovato. Uh, 
Uh, I'm just going to read this headline for you. Uh, the whole experience was triggering. Demi Lovato attacks LA frozen yogurt shop for offering sugar-free products. <laughs> That's right, guys. It, it turns out diets are triggering. And if you are a business offering uh, sugar-free options to your frozen yogurt, uh, look out for pop stars because you might get sued by them, apparently. So, <laughs> I hope Demi Lovato delightful. doesn't listen to any of our FNX Fit Fat uh fat ad reads because that's Ooh. gonna there's no way that the sugar-free label is worse or uh any better than what we do so let me get this straight she went to a frozen yogurt shop and got offended that they were offering healthy healthy things there yeah um this is what i think it says on her social media post Finding it extremely hard to order Froyo from the Big Chill Frozen Yogurt when you have to walk past tons of sugar-free cookies slash other diet foods before you get to the counter. Lovato said, do better, please. Hashtag diet culture vultures. Diet <laughs> so, culture vulture? <laughs> yes. Yes. Man. Um, insane. We should, okay, two, two different ways to go with this joke. Uh, I'm going to say both. You guys pick your favorite. Either okay. we, we say, hey, Demi, why don't you take a big chill? That's one way we can take it. Or what if we just start calling Demi Lovato the big chill? Because if she's got having a little bit of issues <laughs> with her weight, maybe that could be a fun rebranding for her. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. <laughs> I like the first one because it's a little bit nicer. That's, so that is absolutely hilarious. Culture vulture also. The diet culture vulture. That's... Yeah. I'm... I'm Hoping this turns into a a like caricature, like the dog that prevents forest fire, or Smokey the Bear that prevents forest <laughs> fires, or the dog that takes a bite out of cybercrime. Um, yeah, right. which it yeah. seems like Demi Lovato is taking a bite out of a lot of things lately. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I think that we need to have the culture vulture <laughs> who comes by and feeds on the the carcasses of diets. Um, right. That would be pretty fun. Wow, love it. Is there anything that's not offensive anymore? I, it's just no. ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Insane. Um, anyhow, well, thanks for that, Hunter. Demi Lovato railing against a uh, a frozen yogurt shop for having a sugar-free option. You get this week's Carl Pulling Long Walk Short Peer Award. Thank you for coming very much. All right. With that, let's get into the meat of it. Um, yeah, that's right. Carl Pulling's made it to the big time, folks. An actual politician. Um I know what you all thought. No, you couldn't. But yes, we can. And now we are. So again, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, Wes. Wes actually, actually uh, Wes, we can. What? Oh, oh, my gosh. There we go. That's, that's, that's good. That, uh, I don't know Wes if it's a more. trick of the camera. Wes is Wes more. Is more. <laughs> Wes is more. <laughs> the Wes we can, I think it added like like 10 melanin points to the camera shade. All of a sudden, you were about to fix race in America instantly. Uh, no, the funny, my original campaign, we considered Wes is more, but the, pro the problem was my opponent's last name was Moore, so that didn't work out. <sighs> that is so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, though. Man, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of play it. in the joints around West. Mm -hmm. So so anyway, like we mentioned, you're the Georgia State rep for the 22nd district. Um, you've hit the hit the major news circuit lately. But before we get into all of that, can you tell folks a little bit about yourself? What makes you tick? What you're like and how you got into politics, how you started pursuing this state rep position? Okay. 
Well, I've actually been in ministry uh, all my life. I was a youth pastor for 20-some-odd years. I taught school for eight years, public school in Cobb County. And then for the last 15 years, I've been the young married or young adult pastor at uh, Woodstock Baptist. And uh, politics was not on my agenda. Uh, but to cut to the chase, uh, my wife and I were having dinner at the Sundial Restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary, Friday, February the 21st, 2014, when my phone started ringing. And that began my two-week journey towards qualifying to run for office as um, the fellow who had represented our district for a decade unfortunately became ill with leukemia, passed away, and mm -hmm. we had a special election. And uh, we elected a guy who turned out to be kind of a really hardcore, hate the government libertarian who was um, who didn't make many friends in the, his first two days down at the Capitol wow. gotcha. because of the special election. He came in right in the middle, about day 18 or 19 of a 40 day session and uh, immediately dropped some bills that caused quite a bit of alarm. I won't get into the detail. And that and that night. I started getting phone calls when people found out that I lived in the district and primarily they weren't, they were asking me about running, but it was also asking me if I could find someone to run. So that, that was the original plan because my wife and I just laughed uh, when we got on the phone with this guy the next day uh, and didn't take the whole thing very seriously. But later that night I was at home uh, sitting on the couch. My daughter was in Europe on a mission trip. My both my son had gotten married and moved out, and my older son um, had, didn't live here anymore either. So it was quiet, and uh, uh, I just sensed, you know, I don't know how God speaks to everybody, and He speaks to me a lot of different ways. But I just had this this voice inside my my heart that said, "Hey, you're you're supposed to pray about this and think about it." And so that hmm. we had two weeks to qualify, and um, now I was 52 at the time. I'm 59 now. And I, I, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was doing something that God, frankly, was asking me to do, uh, mm. and I didn't want to do it. And so I, I obeyed out of a total sense of duty. There was no joy in it. It was I felt obligated to mm. do this. And and at first it was just I just felt obligated to run because when I would ask people, do you think I could win? they would just kind of laugh because I, I was not plugged in in any way. I'd never been to a Republican party gathering. I'm not proud of this. I'm just telling you how it was. Wow. Right. I had a busy life, man. I mean, I do, sat on, I sit on a lot of nonprofit boards and uh, do a lot of volunteer work and church work is very demanding. So the idea of taking on a part-time uh, political gig was, uh, you know, was a completely foreign concept. So, you know, Next thing I know, I'm I'm uh, qualifying for office, which means what is, you what is you're going to ask what it means to qualify. Well, like, what does it look like? Is it signatures yeah. or a number of a number of votes from the there's party? A, or no, there's an obstacle course that you have to run. Okay, and now we're slides. talking. <laughs> actually, I didn't know either, and actually, it's a it's a four hundred dollar check and proof of residency. That's it. That's wow. all you have to have to qualify to run for office. Hunter, you can almost qualify if you save up. <laughs> almost $357. I'm almost there. It, de it awesome. depends on what 
the the qualifying fee is based upon the salary of the position you're seeking. Mm, so <laughs> so that gives you a pretty good indication. We make we make seventeen thousand dollars a year, give or wow. take. So it's a four hundred dollar qualifying fee. So awesome. So Hunter assistant dog catcher might be up up in your budget. So yeah, we can make it happen, no doubt. Thought. Well, I don't want all the responsibility of like chief dog catcher assistants more than enough. That's yeah. that's often awesome. Yeah, and then you've you so you got that that special election, and then you've won the the at least the last or maybe last two general elections. No, no, well. I, I didn't. I didn't win in a. I had to run against him in a regular election. He won in a special election. Oh, gotcha, where, gotcha. Where he only received like uh, you know twelve hundred votes. Oh wow! Uh, I got when you. I beat him, I got uh, twelve thousand, thirteen thousand votes because it was a regular election. The special election, you know, to get people to get out. It was in January. It was cold. Uh, you know, to go and vote for one position with which you're probably not very right. familiar. You know, I don't know what, the, in fact, I mean, I hate to admit it, but my Jane and I, my wife and I, that morning we said, well, you know, today we we're supposed to go vote. And I was like, I don't know anything about either of these two candidates. They're both Republicans. I guess we'll just live with whoever wins. Right. And right. having no idea that four weeks later, I'd be running, running for that position. Right. And uh, in the first debate, the first question of the first debate was, Mr. Cantrell, we noticed that you didn't vote in the special election <laughs> for the position, the position that you're now running for. Now, fortunately, I was prepared. I had a feeling I was going to get asked that question. So I said, well, actually, I did vote. And the guy goes, no, no, I have the records right here. You didn't vote. I said, no, no, I voted. And he said, but no, I, like, I, and I said, no, I voted by not voting. And I was sitting in the middle between the, the same two candidates were running again with me. There was three of us. Right. And I said, neither one of these two folks made a compelling enough case to get Ooh. me to vote for either one of them. Ooh, nice. I voted against both of them by staying home. That's spicy. And then, yeah. And then I pulled well out done. a pack. I had a, I had a stack of papers because I had, I had each of their voting records and my voting records. You know this is public information, right. not who you voted for, but that you did vote. And I said, so if the criteria for tonight's the best candidate is the voting records, you know, my, my opponent to my left voted, you know, I forget what it was, three out of the last eight Republican primaries. This one on the right voted four out of the last eight. I voted in eight of the last eight. You know, so if that's the criteria tonight, I feel pretty good about my chances. So it was pretty funny. That's an awesome story. And well then done. Just really quickly, I, I think in 2018 and then again in 2020, you ran against a Democrat named Charles Ravenscraft. And that's I'm correct. just curious – were you intimidated at all by going at someone with a very cool last name like Ravenscraft? Well, it's, it's, it's worse than that because his, his nickname is Big Red. Oh, he's no. Actually, he's actually a very nice guy. He and I are friends. We text on the reg. Awesome. Um, and um, I met him at, a, at one. We didn't have a debate, but we had like this forum thing. And I met him and his wife. And he had a small child. And he lives right down the street from me. I know exactly where he lives. And, um, and we, we've tried to, we've been very, he's been very respectful. I've been very respectful. We keep talking about going and grabbing a cup of coffee. Um, uh, but yeah, Charles, and he, his, uh, his, his uh, logo was proud to be a union thug. <laughs> oh, okay. And I got With the name I Big know, Red. That's believable. I'm not sure this is going to work well in Cherokee County, but nonetheless. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got to admire anybody, any Democrat. And I, I say this in all seriousness. You got to admire any Democrat who runs as a Democrat in Cherokee County, because yeah, most yeah. Democrats in Cherokee County run as Republicans because they know they can't win as a Democrat. Huge problem. Huge problem, I'd say. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for giving us a little bit of that background and and talking about how you got into politics. So now let's transition. You know, we did this we did this episode, I guess it was Hunter, was it two weeks ago or last week? I think um, it was two weeks ago, yeah. Called Jim Eagle. And I think <laughs> you probably know what that derives from. I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. oh, but yeah. effectively, you know, all of a sudden State Bill two oh two comes on the scene in Georgia. And what seems to me, uh, having read the text of the bill or the vast majority of the text of the bill, seems to be a pretty reasonable expansion and 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 unification of voting procedure turns into this insane new Jim Crow esque voting law where people right. you know were hoping that minorities die of dehydration in in <laughs> line to vote all kinds of crazy things start getting said so i guess that and and then your response to that is kind of what what kicked off this this pretty enjoyable <laughs> string of events so let's talk about sb202 before it became a national issue were you involved at all with SB 202 or did you vote on it? How, how, what was your connection to it before it exploded? Okay. Good question. Um, I was involved in it in two primary ways. Number one, I had a bill that I had written separate. In fact, I had written the bill before the election and it was a bipartisan bill. I had uh, three Republicans and three Democrats on the bill. When you write a bill, the top six signatures are considered your co-signers and they're and it's public. So like on the website and everything, it'll have those six names mm. as sponsors of the bill. So I, I got three really high profile Democrats. I talked to them ahead of time. And what my bill did was it allowed for ranked choice voting or instant runoff voting. We don't want to get into that, but we allowed it for Big military fan. and overseas. Yeah, mil, I am too. military and overseas ballots so that because about seven or eight years ago, a federal judge ruled that Georgia had to have a nine-week runoff. We'd always had four-week runoffs. They said, you got to have a nine-week runoff because you're not giving military and overseas citizens enough time to return their ballots. Hmm. So it turned into this. So my very first race, I was in a, a runoff in the summer, nine weeks, and it was brutal. And then we had but, – but, but understand, this bill was written before the senatorial runoff that we had here. In Georgia, that's okay. important to know. All yes, right. So, so you mean, but you uh, mean the Warnock Ossoff election? Correct. Okay, correct. Gotcha. Because that that plays a big part in what happened next. Because mm. I had a bipartisan bill. Uh, I took the bill. I was scared the bill was going to get caught up in the election reform in a negative way because it got assigned to the Election Integrity Committee, the special committee that was considering election reform. But the chairman of the committee loved the bill, and he said, we like the bill. I had two hearings on the bill, and then they decided to incorporate the bill into Senate Bill 202. Uh, so, so I have a big part of that bill is, is mine, and it's a part that takes us to a four-week runoff instead of nine. Now, the interesting thing is if we lived that senatorial runoff, and we had our Christmas and our New Year's holidays inundated with negative political ads during every Christmas movie and college bowl game. And it was awful. 
Well, my three, my two Democrat, two of the three Democrats, after we got back to session, took their name off of the bill because their leadership demanded they didn't want any Democrat fingers on this bill because they were all going to vote against it. They didn't want it to to look that way. But but to her credit, one of my Democrat sponsors, co-sponsors, stayed on the bill. I won't name her, but she stayed on the bill. Now, the problem Mm. is when your bill then gets taken and put into another big bill, all of that goes away. Mm. So nobody knows any of that at this point because that the language for my bill was simply taken and transferred. They call it an omnibus voting bill because it had all these, you know, I think it was 89 pages long. It had all these different aspects were put into one big, massive bill. So instead of voting each of these individual things, they just took them all, put them in one thing. So it was just one big big vote um so, so to be but, clear you're saying that text from the bill that you wrote the the runoff r- reconfiguration that is actually the text that's in sb202 that's correct awesome. and that's um, really cool. I, I wish i could tell you the lines it was but yeah so that was one part and then the second thing our caucus really did a great you know, I, I don't brag on republicans a lot okay because we got our issues as well but uh, i was really proud of how our leadership handled this bill because what they did was they had each committee member was assigned six, seven, or eight members of our caucus to sit down with us and say, okay, what's important to you in voting, you know, voter integrity? What would you like to see in the bill? And so it felt like really for the first time, every single member got to have a say in what went hmm. in this bill. And there was a wide divergence of opinion about what should and shouldn't be in this bill. So, it was a lot. People say, well, it passed so fast. Well, you don't understand. It didn't. It, this process went on right. for about two and a half months of almost daily meetings discussing all the details and, and trying to come up with a bill that was fair, that would keep voter registration simple. It would it would keep it easy to go vote if you were registered or to vote to participate in the process, but would also at the same time make it difficult to cheat because there was a large percentage of the voting population after last year that had great suspicions about the process, whether they were legitimate or not is almost irrelevant because perception is reality. And we had a lot of people, I mean, I had hundreds of people tell me I'm not voting in the runoff because I don't believe my vote Hmm. was counted. And to every one of those people, I said, well, there's one way to guarantee your vote won't be counted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not to vote. Exactly. That's kind of dumb. Oh, I'm not going to vote to prove that my vote didn't count. Well, yeah, you yeah. just proved it. So, um, uh, and you look at the position it's put it's put Republicans now in the in the Senate. I mean, what a mess! Oh yeah, what a mess! Oh, yeah. it's a, it's I don't a think huge, anyone huge saw Warnock and Ossoff sweeping in Georgia, but but uh, that, it was that, the perfect storm. Perfect. Yeah, it storm. really was. It really was. One of the things that seems to me is like with something like COVID nineteen happening and just the absolute change that took place on just American society and then how we changed extremely rapidly uh, to vote in those unforeseen conditions. Like I think any sane person would want integrity put into the vote, you know, just we're doing something different. We should take a second look at it. And it seems to me like that's exactly what you guys were about to some extent was a very realistic look of how we could accomplish that goal. Is that kind of the tenor of you guys in that room Mm -hmm. West or it is. It is. And, you know, the pr- primary issue, number one, for virtually everybody was the um, the integrity of the mail-in mm-hmm. ballot. 
And so for whatever reason, and, and you know, Republicans authored the legislation that they came up with uh, no excuse mail-in balloting and the way the ID was done through signature verification because hardly anybody voted by absentee. So it didn't seem to be a big concern at the time. And, and so nobody saw this coming, what happened in 2020. And it happened a little bit in 2018. Um, and then with this, the signature match became a big issue in 2018 because a lot of voters lost their vote, uh, whether it was their vote or it was a fraudulent vote because the signatures didn't match, mm. um, which is weird. Uh, and when we say signatures matching, we're not talking about uh, the style of the signature necessarily. We're talking about a different name. You know, and so, and so some of it was clearly the work of, of uh, operatives who'd been hired to go out and collect as many, get as many people to vote by mail as possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we had to coalesce around the mail-in ballot. And so we got rid of the signature verification and went to what well, basically the idea is that the uh, the standard for identification should be exactly the same whether you vote in person or you vote by mail. There should be equity there. You shouldn't have a different standard for for somebody. But so that so that's where that came from. So now you have to have uh, ID in order to vote by mail. Ninety seven percent of voters in Georgia have a driver's license. So all they got to do is put their driver's license number on the ballot application and the actual ballot. Or they can get a free government issued ID from any DMV or any elections office right. or other or they can use their social security number or there's other kinds of id if you'll take a photocopy you can even use other types of id like a utility bill these kind of things so it's not onerous by any measure um but you'll hear people talk about it a lot well let's uh, jump into that somehow okay yeah because that's that was the crazy thing you know on our episode last week we talked about how easy it was to get an ID in Georgia. And like you mentioned, there's an absolutely free voting ID that's offered in Georgia. Actually, it's offered in all states that have strict uh, strict requirements for voter ID laws. Uh, it, they all offer a free voting ID for that purpose specifically. So you guys, you write this bill, you package it together in this omnibus like you mentioned and and um i'll harangue you about omnibus bills <laughs> offline sometime uh, well but... that's normally a bad that normally that's a very bad word yeah sure I, I, it's case, not one of my favorites in this case all of the all of the things were germane you know germaneness sure. is a big thing because a lot of a lot of omnibus bills it's like you know it's like a christmas tree is what we call yeah. it. they just throw in all this stuff this one everything was germane it all fit in the same code section it actually, it actually makes sense in this in this instance. So Normally, there wasn't any like money earmarks no. for Nancy Pelosi's hair to get blown out or something like that. There, there should have been, but there wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> she could have used it. Um, anyhow, uh, so so that was that was the thing. My first introduction to this bill. I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I'm reading that uh, I'm reading that. It's illegal now to give an old lady water in line, and all of my <laughs> my friends who are just absolute heroes and are going to save the world one day were talking about their plans to go get arrested by handing water out in line to an old uh, old lady next time there was an election. I was like, you know what's funny to me is that you never would have given water before 
It's not yes. like you're a saint. It's not like this is an issue that matters to you. You're just coming from behind now that you think that you're not allowed to do it because your brain desperately craves to be a martyr. Anyway, so I started yeah. reading this stuff and then I looked up the text of the bill, which my, my Carl Poole and quick tip is right dot gov in your search and it will take you to the text of the actual bill. And I read through the relevant portions to the water and I kind of posted back on Facebook right as this was happening. I was like, no, no, this is not true, what you said. Mm -hmm. Then Snopes puts an article about it that, that directly uh, did not include the caveat about reasons that you could provide water or who could provide water. Um, and they also never referenced that this code section that they were talking about, about the water specifically, was completely related to completely related to a section about bribes and gifts from political operatives. So they just ne failed right. to mention that entirely. So right. that was the argument for a couple of days. And then the argument was, well, voter ID is racist, which is a crazy, I think, a racist argument in and of itself. And so all of a sudden, this bill became national news and you had national corporations and, and federal politicians commenting mm -hmm. about this bill. I mean, just I, I want I want to leave it open for you to discuss who you want. But people that stuck out to me are Chuck Schumer, Stacey Abrams, mm -hmm. Raphael Warnock, mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden. And then you had Coke and MLB both take action and Delta. Delta. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. so what what are you thinking as someone who helped write <laughs> parts of the text of this bill to have multiple passages of it completely taken out of context oh, and, yeah. and obliterated and well, then have this this extremely vulgar untrue hype surrounding the bill what are you thinking and feeling when this starts becoming a national headline I, it's it, it's outrageous uh this has probably made me the most mad of anything i've experienced in the seven years because we we worked so hard to craft a bill that was fair that was balanced that was accurate that still uh maintained access to as many people as possible to vote as long as they were legal, but to make it difficult to cheat, make it easy to register. And we thought, I, I didn't think it was just a good bill. I thought it was a great bill. And when you saw some of the bills, some of the things that were suggested were extreme in either direction. And the fact that none of those made it into the bill. Now I wanted to talk about a couple of things you mentioned. Uh, first of all, food and water in line. Um, there's a backstory. Uh, food and water in line has always been illegal, uh, but it but the the language of the of the law prior to our bill simply said anything of value. And so two years ago or four years ago, I think it was four years ago, actually, two of my colleagues from the other party were going up and down the voter line, passing out pizza and drinks while people were standing in line but claiming they weren't campaigning. These aren't operatives. These are the actual candidates. Interesting. We're got, so, wait, so, wait, the people on the ballot? Yes, on the ballot. Wow. Going up and down the line, passing out pizza. One I'm of them's under an ethics complaint right now. Uh, I doubt Your presence is campaigning. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. But they didn't, have, they didn't have a sign on or a hat or whatever. You know? So that's oh, why we tried to clarify and, you know, all H E double hockey sticks broke out like we were gonna deny people water. It's always been illegal to hand out anything to anybody or even to go inside the hundred and fifty foot buffer zone between um, the boat the pole the front door of the polling place and the end of the line. 
uh, outside of the 150 feet. The, the law has always been you can hand out water, you can set up a grill, you can set up a food truck, you can do whatever, but you have to set it up as a station and the voter has to leave the line and come to you. I mean, think about it. Do we really want people going up and down the line bothering uh, people who are trying to, you know, getting ready to vote? Uh, and right. then the bill also addresses the length of the line. So if, if there's ever, if there's a, a, mm-hmm. a precinct where the line ever is over an hour in, in time, uh, that elections board is called into accountability the next time that they've got to add more precincts, add more machines, more voter stations, so that the line never gets longer than uh, one hour. That, and what, ha- what the, the great argument, here's what they do, is they create a problem and then they blame it on you. These they had we had long lines on yeah. some of the early voting. Yeah. But the long lines every time were located in Democrat areas that are run by, you guessed it, Democrats. Mm. So they create the problem. The problem happens. They take pictures of it. They post it all over social media, and they blame Brian Kemp, who at the time was the the Secretary of State. Hmm. So it's a it's the oldest you know, trick in the book, you know, create your own problem and then, uh, then blame it on somebody else. And they did that also with the closing of precincts. There were precincts that were closed all over the state and almost exclusively those were in Democrat run areas. And then they blamed it against secretary of state Kemp at the time. So that's the, that's the, that's the water in line, uh, thing. The the other thing I want to say before I forget about it, because remember I'm an old man, uh, (laughs) Stacey Abrams purchased the domain name Jim Crow. Uh, I think it was actually Stop Jim Crow Two. Yes, yes. She purchased that that domain name weeks before we knew what was going to be in this bill. So the narrative had already wow. been determined. Wow. And they were going to stick with that narrative regardless. And remember who the author of Jim Crow laws were back in the day. Right. It wasn't Republicans. Right. It was Democrats. Democrats were the ones that authored and enforced all the Jim Crow stuff that has nothing to do with the bill that we're talking about here tonight. But in one act of fairness on my part, I will say that the other chamber, the Senate chamber, had a little bit different philosophy than the House chamber. The Senate chamber encouraged their members to just uh, file bills willy nilly, whatever they wanted. And so there were some pretty bad bills filed in that chamber that made the news that, w- that were never going to be considered. Yes. They yeah. were just because what happens is um, filing a bill can be used as as a campaign issue. Knowing your your, your bill, you're never even going to ask for much less get a hearing before a committee. You're just filing a bill in order to make the news. And the Democrats are masters at it because they know they're not going to pass any legislation as long as we control the chamber. Hmm. So they file crazy stuff. They uh, during the abortion thing uh, a couple years ago, the heartbeat bill, they mm-hmm. filed legislation about forced vasectomies and and uh, all kinds. Okay, all hold kinds on a minute, of, though. All kinds Let's of crazy. Let's think about it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just... <laughs> um, it was yeah, that... no. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Wes, let me ask you a question. When we're talking about Stacey Abrams. Um, one of my well she's not even a politician now what would you consider her some kind of of an activist uh, you know she's kind of like obama was a, a co- 
community organizer. Hmm. Right. Sure. Well, that's that's what people say when they want to get elected. I'll I'll stick with carpetbag and grifter. Um, <laughs> oh wow. But, but anyway, so you've got her registering this domain name, presetting the narrative. Then you mentioned about them them going in and closing down precincts, and and photographing issues with long lines and Democrat controlled uh, mm-hmm. election precincts. Then you've got them filing bills that apparently have incredibly outrageous statutes simply dependent on the party in control of the legislative body. How intentional is all this? I mean, well, it's all it's, it's all intentional. So what you're saying is, is that these people are suppressing vote in Democrat controlled, let's say, potentially inner city areas specifically to use it as a cudgel against those in control of the state boards. Am I reading that correctly? Okay. now wait. Now, I would not say I'm not prepared to say they intentionally created the long lines. I I am saying they created it, whether it was intentional or not, through poor management, poor leadership. Gotcha. They, they, they intentionally closed those precincts. Now, that could have been done very smartly from a big picture perspective. If you look at each of the reasons why those precincts were closed, there were good reasons hmm. to close the precinct. Understood. Uh, a lot okay. of it had to do with the lack of um, accessibility to people with disabilities because some of the buildings were so old they didn't, they didn't, they didn't meet ADA standards. So there were good reasons behind most of the precincts closing, but then they saw an opportunity – to then use yes. that so, uh, so, and, paint, okay. and paint a narrative. Oh, they're even closing precincts where black people vote. That's what I wanted to make sure folks understood because I don't think uh, that that's a huge scandal, right? But we're talking about not not maybe naked evil, but we're talking about extreme opportunism. Is kind opportunism, of how I, I exactly. Okay. Yeah, totally agree. And, the, and, and also to clarify, Hunter and, uh, and um, Chris, the... Um, the bills I was talking about that were bad bills about the election, those were by Republicans. Okay, yes, right. Where, where a Republican who maybe bought in more to the the big lie, if you will, of of, of the election of voter fraud, the machines, the uh, you know w- wanting to get rid of no excuse mail in ballots, mm. these kind of things. So there were a few extreme bills that got introduced because. You can't stop a, a legislator from introducing a bill. I can I could write a bill that said whatever I wanted to do and drop it in the hopper and it becomes national news. That's kind of how I got elected. The guy before me introduced two bills that were just horrendous and people couldn't believe it. And uh, that's when I, people started calling me about running for office. Gotcha. So you got some, you know, Republicans tend to go rogue a little more than Democrats. We don't stick together as much. And we can argue all day about why that is, you know, we could say, well, because we have principles and, and, um, you know, whereas the Democrats tend to stay stick together better, they're organized better. They, uh, they, they, they'll hold their nose and vote no or yes, in order to go along with the caucus, whereas it's, it's more challenging, it's more hurting cats in our caucus to get everybody to Okay, guys, I know you don't really like this bill, but we need everybody to vote yes on this bill. Right. That almost never happens. Now, it happened on this bill, and I, and the reason it happened on this bill was, number one, it was a great bill. But number two, the leadership uh, of my caucus, especially in the House, the Speaker and on down, they they worked this thing from day one, and everybody felt like they had a part 
in the discussion mm. and you weren't just voting on something that somebody else wrote. Mm. Everybody had a chance to, to speak their mind and to, and we had multiple votes in caucus about different, different parts of what was in the bill to work our way to what we knew was fair and would withstand uh, court challenges. Gotcha. That's, that's cool. You know, one of the things I think with all the nonsense that was coming out in the media and the whole conversation around it, was to me some of the things that I just saw that were compassionate in the bill. Um, the one hour line thing I think is just kind of above the call of what really needs to be assessed there. And I and I was just kind of, you know, you could you you there's arguments and things like that. But when you kind of see stuff like that where it's like, hey, if someone has to wait in a line for longer than an hour in the state of Georgia, that's a problem. And that's what this bill says. And exactly, it's it, it's it's a little shocking to me. Um, I guess that stuff like that was missed and and as i guess chris i think you're about to get us here but as a, as what west kind of pointed out in his video uh you know just the the shocking language used around what was being done um is yeah. kind of absurd even more so especially when you see all the thought and care that was put into it well that and Hunter, that's one of the craziest things is is that specific provision wes you saying it is the only time about the length of the line the only time that i've heard it other than when i said it because i read the text of the bill i truly right. haven't seen a single publication post that fact about the bill it's one of the most voter positive voter friendly measures i've seen in any voting legislation uh, it, potentially in my lifetime i mean to to make sure that we have a method by which we can reconfigure districts and precincts to allow more people to vote is a mm -hmm. great thing. And, and it's so crazy to me that that no one is reporting on that. I think it just adds yeah. to this insane milieu <clears throat> that this bill got caught in a predetermined gaslighting narrative mm -hmm. where up was down and left was right and in was out. And well, out. that part of the bill got married to a part that um, they don't like. Um, the, the minority party doesn't like, you know, three years ago when Stacey Abrams was running against Brian Kemp, mm -hmm. she was all upset that he was the secretary of state at the time right. that he was running the election that he was running in, uh, which is kind of a false thing. But uh, this one of the things this bill does is it takes the takes the running of the actual election, the power away from the secretary of state and, and, and puts it on a, a person who will be appointed by the General Assembly will be a nonpartisan position so that the secretary of state they'll he'll can he or she will continue to you know do licensing and regulations and those kind of things but will no longer be overseeing an election in order to avoid that that appearance which is a false appearance but an appearance that someone who's running for office who's on the ballot is counting the votes um but we did that this time that's what stacy abrams wanted us to do three years ago we did it this time uh and they're all mad about mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. And then the one hour voting thing is tied to the fact that the state elections board will have the power under a very specific set of criteria to suspend members from local election boards temporarily if they don't, if things like this aren't addressed properly. Gotcha. If, if they have chronic failure in long lines, chronic failure in, uh, in machines, Chronic failure in closing precincts or people or changing precinct mm. locations so people don't, don't know where they are. The state elections board can remove those people from office and, and force a new election for those people to be replaced. Okay. 
make them. The do narrative on that was that we were overturning elections, but that's not. We don't have the power to overturn an election. <laughs> only a, only a judge can do that. And I don't. I'm not sure when the last time that's happened. Well, it didn't happen in 2020, as I recall. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> anyway, I that's that's great. Like, actually, do something about the long line instead of send some pictures of it to National yes. Enquirer. Okay, so mm-hmm. that bring that that's the milieu that brings us to your video response, where where you kind of stapled your name to this whole controversy, <laughs> and and uh, it was really funny. So, walk us through what you did what you said, okay. who you're going after and what your, what your goal was. Or okay. Is. Well, it took me five days to work up the courage, <laughs> uh, to do what I did because I, I was very concerned about the unintended consequences of it because I'm not, I'm not a bomb thrower by nature. I'm kind of the guy that works behind the scenes, tries to persuade people, have a smile on my face, but this thing with the election bill, it just pushed me to the absolute limit. And so I actually got the idea from one of my colleagues downtown who was unwilling to follow through on the idea mm-hmm. himself. And so with his permission, I, I told him, I said, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. And um, so what I did was I studied up real hard on the election laws in Delaware, the home state of our president, and uh, and then of New York, because Chuck Schumer on the Saturday, but I wasn't, I wasn't planning on including Senator Schumer in my video, but he, he set it up on a tee for me the Saturday before the Monday when he tweeted that uh, our racist voter suppression law, and he was inviting the, the uh, Major League Baseball to move the, move the uh, All-Star game to New York. Right. So I studied up on New York, and basically my idea was it was a, you know, a straight-up gaslighting, a political stunt. Uh, saying that I was going to drop legislation, and I just used their quotes. So my my one bill was going to be the president. I was doing it in honor of President Joe Biden, and I was going to call it the President Joe Biden uh, Jim Crow on Steroids Voter Act, <laughs> which would take jo- Georgia's voting laws and make them identical to that of Delaware. And Delaware has horrendous voting laws. They have uh, they have no early voting. They have no, you have to have an excuse in order to get an absentee ballot. You got to be sick or in the hospital. You got to, um, they have uh, no drop boxes. They have drop, they have boxes inside elections offices. I don't really count those, but they have no other wet place to drop, to drop a ballot. And they have this weird it's thing bizarre. they do when you go to vote in person, they actually yell your name out, out loud under the pretense that you could then be challenged by someone else in the precinct. And during a primary, they not only yell out your name, but they yell out your party affiliation as well. So Wes Cantrell's voting. He's a, he's pulling a Republican ballot. You know, is anybody going to challenge him? So I had a hard time believing that was actually the law, but I went and checked it. And that is the law in our, in president Biden's home state. So if, so if Georgia's Jim Crow on steroids, then Delaware, I don't know, is that Jim Eagles, is it Jim, it's, Jim Robin, Jim Crow? I don't know what it is, but it's Jim it's, Ostrich. It's by a factor of mm. 10 worse. You yeah. Know? yeah, Jim Ostrich would be good. What happens uh, if, you, if you challenge someone's vote? I mean, do you walk out and go 10 paces and duel them? I mean, that sounds like the most I archaic no backwards live ever heard. I don't know if it's like, then you have to produce your ID or, uh, or mm. I don't know. I have no idea what it means, but That's I know it's part wild. of their, part of their my, deal, which my, is bizarre. 
So that was and in New York, New York's similar. They have they don't have no excuse absentee, and they have uh, very few early voting days. And so, so you introduced the the Chuck Schumer voters. Chuck Schumer, because he called it racist voter suppression. Gotcha. It was the Chuck Schumer Racist Voter Suppression Act. And then today, you may not have seen my post today, but I brought in a third one because Senator Warren couldn't keep her mouth shut and decided to get involved this weekend calling our our law voter suppression and saying she actually went so far as to say that Governor Kemp was sitting in Stacey Abrams' oh my seat. Goodness. This nonsense. So I went I went and looked up Massachusetts went and looked up Massachusetts and they don't have uh, you have to have an excuse to vote by mail and the excuses are funny. They're you're traveling or you're sick or you have a religious <laughs> objection, which I thought was interesting. I'm not sure what my religious objection would be to oh, voting wow. in person. That I don't might know, maybe be a good Tuesday question is, for Elizabeth Warren. Is Tuesday a holy day in some, uh, well, you know, I, you know some it religion? might be a First Nations <laughs> or First Peoples deity, maybe a tree spirit or, you know, oh. the soul of the canoe. I, I don't know what they do, but I just, I can understand she might have some very specific religious objections as a Native American. Um, yeah. And then yesterday we had the hearing, you know, uh, the Senate had a the Judiciary right. Committee and they called it Jim Crow 2021 the latest in the attack on the right to vote, something like that. I can't remember. And Abrams was there and um, Warnock and Ossoff. And uh, the funny thing about Abrams that I learned because she had a lot to say, she said that the general assembly was racist for passing portions of this bill. She didn't say the whole thing. She didn't identify which portions, but that we Hmm. were racist. So basically all of us who voted for this bill are racist. Well, that's more than I, you know, come mm. on. Are you kidding me? That's in the words of uh, our president. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. You know, it's ridiculous. So yeah. I, I went back and I checked and I found her debate with Stacey Evans when she ran, when she was in the Democrat primary and Stacey Evans brought up in their debate that Stacey Abrams had co-sponsored a bill that cut the number of early voting days in Georgia in more than half. From 45 wow. to 21. Now I happen to agree with that because 45 is too many. From a you know to, to staff the the places and the costs. I think 21 days is plenty. So yeah, I happen to agree not from with a what cost perspective. I mean, just uh, there's a oh, lot of campaign that happens in the you know, tw- in the last 20 days of an election. The idea Great that we point. should be voting in perpetuity yeah. makes no sense. So. Great point. But Stacey Abrams co-sponsored that legislation. Now, fast forward, imagine that in Senate Bill 202, we had a provision that cut early voting days in half. What would she have said about that? We actually expanded the number of days that you can vote in person by by uh, three days, right. uh, one day mandatorily and two more days as an option. Uh, but imagine what she would have had to say about her own legislation had it appeared in SB 202 this year. So the hypocrisy is just it's off the charts. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you're looking for consistency from from Stacey Abrams, you're looking in uh, several of the wrong places. And in addition to that, I, I mm. subtle jabs. And I think that I think that uh, the most. I mean, I'm just shocked that Stacey Abrams called something racist. I mean, that just seems so <laughs> character. She never her. says that. I can hardly hardly comprehend it. Anyhow, uh, that's wild for her to say that. Brian Kemp was sitting in her in her chair. 
Well, that was Senator Warren that said that. Oh, Senator Warren said Stacey Abrams was sitting in. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, Brian Kemp insane. was sitting yeah. in Stacey Abrams' chair. Insane. That's what oh, she man. said. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the ta- the chair should take a DNA test. <laughs> I imagine that that chair is less Stacey Abrams than Elizabeth Warren <laughs> is Native true. American. Just a guess. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, well then, so this is when we got involved with the story. As far as under, you know, hearing it and picking, picking up and reading about it, we watched your Instagram video, which I thought was hilarious so and very important, um, and for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is, well, you've already mentioned one of your colleagues already decided that they didn't have the huevos to go ahead and do it, and you mentioned yourself that there is a there is some downstream consequences that this could have, might still have, who knows. And it's, it's a bold thing because I think when you look around the political climate right now, standing up to the mob is costly. And there is, there is a mob that is running things right now. And the truth doesn't matter and facts doesn't matter. Your morality doesn't matter. Perceptions matter. And, you know, people like Stacey Abrams can say that this is Jim Crow two weeks before the election and we'll just roll with that. Um, so, so I was really excited when I saw the video because I think – it's important that our politicians and our local politicians start standing up to these people, even though it's not going to be free. And, you know, that's why I'm typically not into state and local governments picking fights with corporations. But I thought I thought pulling tax credits for Delta's jet fuel right. was exactly the Loved right it. move. If they're going to go and <laughs> stick their thumb in politics, let's stick our, our you know fingers in the eyes of their business because there's got to be a stopping of the buck at some point. At some point, we need to stop bowing to this mob that does not is not bound by the truth and is forcing us into a post-truth society, truly, in real time. And so I was glad that, I, I, that you did that. I was super excited when I saw it. And so were a lot of people. So uh, Delaware Online ran a piece, the Tampa <laughs> Bay Free Press, Fox News, Red State, Washington Examiner. Guy Benson picked up the story. on. Yeah, Delaware. that was great. I, li- I really like Guy a lot. Yeah, he's hilarious and, and a, a good journalist, in my opinion, or a pundit. And then Brodigan at, over at Louder with Crowder wrote a piece which instantly took 10 years <laughs> off your age, I think. Uh, had, you, had you heard of Louder with Crowder before? This no, incident? never. In, in fact, the funny part about all this stuff is that, without exception, I didn't. I didn't see any of this stuff. People had to send it to me right. to say to because I got some texts from. I was out playing golf, and some guys like, "Hey, you're on. You're famous. You're on Fox News." And I was like, "Really?" So I tried to. I couldn't find it. You know, for a while. <laughs> then finally, I found it. And then uh, the other, the one you're not mentioning, and I don't even know if you know about this one, was that Donald yes. Trump Jr. Yes. did a yep. whole. Facebook post about it. He, he, he looked like he was drunk. He had his hat on backwards. His <laughs> eyes were like barely open. Several people said, that's not really him. That's some impersonator. I'm like, well, it's on his Facebook page. Somebody had sent that to me too. I hmm. thought that was so funny. That's awesome. Uh, what What is the, what's the feeling when your name, or I've seen the video or a slight butchering of your name <laughs> comes out of, of Don Jr.'s mouth? What does that feel like? I was, I was laughing. Okay. Uh, in fact, Jane and I were sitting there on the couch. I think we were watching something on TV, and I paused it when it when somebody sent it to me. And so we watched it together for the first time. I had not, you know, that's kind of dangerous to show your wife <laughs> Donald Trump, 
you know, Don, Don Trump Jr. And, right. uh, it, and I, we were both just cackling because it was, he mispronounced my name, which was funny. And then just his whole, his whole thing is funny to me is his mm. stick or whatever you want to call it. You know, I just, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, maybe I'm a weirdo, but I don't sit and watch, uh, you know, that's why it's so hard for me to do a video because I'm not going, I'm not sure. watching anybody else's video on right. Facebook or Instagram or anything. Sure. You know? it's, <laughs> yeah. it's good for you. Trust me. Keeps uh, my you life sane. has gotten <laughs> markedly worse since I started. <laughs> um, man, that's awesome. Well, that, that's super cool. I mean, these, these outlets that are picking it up, obviously it's it, one thing that's super interesting to me about it is you got plaudits from old media and new yeah. media yeah. Uh, yeah. simultaneously, which is, which is, good i think that that shows that there is at least in the republican party um, how do you how do you think that happens i i was puzzled as to um i guess maybe just a certain person because i got i got about a little over a thousand shares on facebook um i guess somebody just shared it and I, i mean i'm just i never did find out how these folks even found out about it you know I don't know, but if I if any of us find out, tell the other one. Right, we need to figure out how, how to do it. Yeah, how do we make this happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to go viral. Um, that that's awesome. Uh, it, it's cool that it crossed the old and new media bridge because I think that that shows that you've got a a coalition of people in the conservative camp, young and old, that are supporting what you what you did, and so. I, I'm very appreciative. Thank you for standing up verbally to this this uh, beast and this this anti-factual story that's prevailing. I think it was really important that someone did it, and I'm I'm proud to know you and proud to say that it was you. So, uh, <laughs> on behalf of of myself and a bunch of conservatives I know, thank you for doing what you did. I think that that's a super important thing right now. Well, that's kind of you to say, and uh, it it did uh, give me a little more. Uh, courage maybe to you know in fact i did another video today right. because i was like well that engaged a lot more people than my normal facebook post or or twitter i think i couldn't figure out how to put the the uh, video on twitter it, it won't allow me maybe it's too long i don't know what their what their limitations are probably jack dorsey yeah. furiously typing into a terminal somewhere absolutely in not <laughs> well then on it and then on on the gram it's like uh it goes to some, I don't know, it felt like they kind of outsourced a video of that length. It, it, it yeah. went through this whole process, you know. Yeah. You know, I guess I should learn how to do this stuff better. But well, no, I, I don't know. It worked for you. This I, I want to kind of just echo what Chris said. I think, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we at times on the show can be critical of everybody because, it, you know, it, it's warranted at, at certain points. And I think we try to, we thread that needle as well as we can. I think one of the, best things to come out of the Trump presidency is the fact that it kind of gave everyone this, Hey, you can go toe to toe with this, with this, uh, narrative and this work and stuff. And I, and not only that, but people will rally behind that because a lot of people feel that same kind of pressure. And a lot of people feel like they're getting gaslit at their jobs. And a lot of people feel like they can't say what they want to say. And I think, you know, every time someone in the public arena can, make cover so to speak for other people who are out there trying to do what they're doing i think it just pushes back that culture a little bit and so you know we're thankful we're really thankful for that we we hope more people see that and that becomes more and more trend and you know it's not to 
say things willy-nilly just to get a reaction out of people. But when you say the truth and when you point out the hypocrisy from your opponents, I mean, I think it does a lot of good in the world. So anyway, there's, there's my two cents to just echo what Chris said. So thank you, Wes. So one last question, uh, I think, and maybe it'll be a little open-ended. Where, where does this leave us? This is a great story. It's a very funny story. Uh, why was it necessary? And, and why, why are things like this, why is it necessary to say true things that seem so fundamental and so rudimentary? When you look at this bill, the major critique that got repeated was that it was racist um, and that it was Jim Crow-esque, right? This idea that there's, there's poll taxes or literacy tests or how, count the number of jelly beans in a jar. Um, I don't know if that actually happened or if it's just something bouncing around <laughs> Joe Biden's addled brain. Uh, regardless, we are entering, or not entering, have entered this post-fact, post-truth society where the narrative matters way more than the facts. And people are either willing to be or being coerced into the role of a useful idiot for somebody who wants to lie to them and wants to use their, their vote and their fealty and their allegiance. We're being pitted against each other. And I think, I mean, look at the, the Chauvin trial and Maxine Waters and some of the things that she said this week. Race is being used as a proxy to divide people who should not be divided. I mean, you looked at race relations and, and the polling around race relations in America uh, just in 2000, 2007, 2008. Blacks, whites, uh, Browns and Chinese and everybody is so positive about the direction that we were heading, so positive about the the future of the country as far as, as race was concerned. And it seemed like we were really putting race behind us. And in in eight years, that all changed. Race relations went to hell and everybody agrees that they went to hell. And now it's becoming the central narrative, regardless of the facts, regardless of the truth, in this effort to to make us hate the other side to make us to make us afraid and worried you know you can't trust the cops you'll get shot for being black walking down the street in america these things that aren't backed by the statistics so i guess wes one thing i'd just like to pick your brain about and go as deep into any of these topics as you want how is this story emblematic of the bigger picture that's happening right now in politics in america in, in your estimation, and how how or or do we push back against what's happening right now? I see America in 2007. I saw an America that maybe didn't support Barack Obama, but was glad that a black man was getting elected because a, a racist country doesn't elect a black man to office. Absolutely. That was me, by the way. Oh, and I felt then, so proud. I was proud when he same. won, even though I didn't vote for him. I was and, proud that he won. Now I look at an America that hates hates its brother. Mm-hmm. What what does this story tell us about this greater movement in the political scene? And what do you think our place is as Christians and conservatives to to interact, fight back, hold the line against this this yeah. narrative? Well, I you know I I don't I don't know all the answers for sure, but. I think what has happened in the last uh, several years is that both sides have found um, 
issues of rage have, have worked for them. Uh, the problem for conservatives is that we don't have the media on our side. We, ha we do have some media on our side, but those are echo chambers. Uh, and really, all that exists in media today are echo chambers. We don't have we don't have places we can go for honest dialogue anymore. Um, you just you, everybody goes into their corners and listens to everybody repeat the things that they already believe, uh, and it's 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 sad because sometimes I'll flip over, you know, because I, I I do the same thing if I got a because I, I don't know if a, if I knew an outlet that I felt was down the middle, I would watch it and I would listen to it. And, and there are certain people who I see as primarily being down the middle. They may they may be center right, which is where I think our country as a whole is. We're, I think we're center right if you average everybody out. But it's hard to find somebody who's center right, who's going to give you the facts and let you decide for yourself. You know, probably 10, 15 years ago, that was how Fox News really got rolling was they, they claimed to be fair and balanced. We give you the facts, you decide – that's clearly changed. I mean, I hope I'm not <laughs> no. <laughs> letting no, the secrets no. out of the bag here. Yeah. But uh, it's you know it's it's because it because it works. Mm. That's why they do it. And so, right. perfect example about this voter bill is I had to do something really stupid like that on Facebook in order to get any attention to the issues about these mm. false narratives that were being perpetrated by the media. Uh, I no, well, you can't get any traction, man. I mean, used to be you could find a, a fair uh, reporter at different outlets, radio stations, TV, newspaper. No. Not true anymore. In fact, I won't talk to any of them. And they'll tell you he won't talk to us. But all he'll all I'll do is I'll give them a written statement under the understanding that they have to either read or print my statement exactly as is, because they're going to take whatever you say. And 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 granted, some of these folks are are um, are operatives. They're they're biased. They know they're biased. Right. Some literally believe that they're yes. objective. They really do. They believe they're calling it down the middle. But they everything that I've ever my experience has always been is that they just they just twist it just just a little bit. They don't lie, Slant but it. they they use verbiage. They use words that that you know paint it nuance it in a different in a different direction than. Than it, than it should have been. And, and they're very, very good at it. And they do it because they, they have to, I mean, they, they would, there used to be a guy at the Atlanta journal constitution who I could go to. He ain't there no more. Hmm. He got let go. Uh, because the only, you know, they're, and it's, they're catering to their audience. You know, who, who, who's going to read our paper, you know, who reads a paper anyway, but, um, <laughs> an online version of it, maybe, you know, so it's tough, and even in Cherokee County, it's it's uh, it's difficult to find a a news outlet that'll be fair. So yeah, so you end up having to go to these crazy national outlets uh, that really don't even understand the 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 local issues like they should, and they get a ton wrong. Sure. Uh, but some, sometimes they'll get the big picture of it right, but they'll the details. I've heard I've heard a lot of people on the right make some a lot of misstatements about our voter law as well, but they're not being um, they're not being malicious. They're they're just uninformed. Whereas on the other side, they're intentionally a lot of times telling something they know for a fact is not true, uh, but it's the narrative that works. You know this Jim Crow. I mean, it's just it's so you know it's the emperor has no clothes. It's mm -hmm. just you know 
it's but they just you know even after the Washington Post gave the president four Pinocchios, you know that that conservative right. newspaper, the Washington yeah, Post, probably probably the most liberal newspaper in the country, called him out. He that very same week, he repeated the lie two more times about the closing early and not being able to give water. And then he, but then he has continued with this stuff about Jim Crow, like Jim Crow, Jim Crow, Jim Crow, and then the, the jelly beans and the the bubbles on the soap. I, I don't know what he's talking about, but um, he knows. There's no way he doesn't know. Right. He know, and Stacey well, Abrams. There's, there's definitely like knows. Way. She's a smart lady. Oh, right. there is one way. Stacey yeah. Abrams. But I'm not sure. mean like you. I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Just that. That makes sense. Fair. Well. Wes, I think that's why I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, the media got got all upset about the enemy of the people talking. Personally, I don't like quoting Stalin either. I think it was a pretty bad dude. But I will say that I think it's becoming obvious that the media serves the narrative mm. and the bottom line before they serve the people in America these days, especially our mainstream media. And that's why I think uh, shows like this one are important. I hope that other people go start their shows. I hope other people are reaching out and having these conversations. And I think what you did is so important. Uh, speaking up, speaking the truth and finding a platform for it. And I love when I see it work. I love when I see that there's a hunger and a platform for that. And uh, we're just pleased as punch to use a Southern statement to have you on. Thanks so much for taking the time to come talk to us. And I if, will have to say, I, I never, never dreamed I would hear pleased as punch come out of your mouth. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and one, one, one small pushback is yeah. that, yeah, my, my, my story got out there, but notice every outlet that it got out on was conservative. Right. Sure. Right. You right. didn't hear, you know, except for the Delaware. The Delaware outlet was not conservative. No. So there was the one exception that I'm yeah. aware of, at least. That, and it's uh, local. Um, yeah, but, that was the most powerful one I thought was the fact that Delaware was offended uh, that their voting laws are so much worse than ours. Yeah. Right, right. Well, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and the MLB should host some games there. No doubt. Uh, to maintain maintain their uh, consistency. Right. I, I think that's why I think that's why this this movement, like one of the reasons I'm so excited that Ladder with Cotter picked you up is because I think that the old media has got to severely adapt or be done away with um and i'm i'm excited about when when politicians and folks break through that barrier so thanks so much for giving us this exclusive interview um, which (laughs) i know isn't exactly true but uh nothing nothing's exactly true anymore uh and taking the time to speak with us i feel like i have any time i hope our listeners have learned a lot uh if you if you got anything to follow up with us on Give us a call. We'd love to have you back anytime that you've got something that you want to share with our okay. audience. And where can people follow up with you and check on your career and see what you're up to? Oh, yeah. They just, if you go to the, the uh, website for the Georgia General Assembly, uh, house.ga.gov, you can find me there. All my contact info's there. I used to keep up a real nice website. I don't do it anymore. I'm kind of old school. If you want to find out about me, you go on Facebook and, uh, and uh, I, I post. Uh, a legislative update I try to do once a week of something that's going on so that's probably the best way to keep up with me is twitter facebook i'm not much on gram but awesome. i don't like looking at pictures <laughs> me neither <laughs> all right well i am chris hunter you can find us uh and the show at carl pooling chris x carl emotional carl email us at carl at gmail.com thanks so much for listening to carl pooling once again 
State Representative of Georgia's 22nd District, Wes Cantrell. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you're out there, please just know it's time to get tested. Oh, 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 oh,